Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Undying Light. I'm your host, Alex, and we are really now just starting to kick off this Christmas series. So a very Merry Christmas, early Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, as we are still just a few weeks out, uh, this episode is due to drop on December 11th, which puts us two weeks out from Christmas. So just to give you guys a little bit of a heads up of what's coming uh, last week, we kind of did a uh, Christmas rant slash answer questions, and we tackled some of the, um, probably in my opinion, the most misconceived notions about Christmas. And we looked at some of the things that a lot of people like to go off of um, making claims around with the pagan holiday roots, the Christmas tree uh, in reflection to the text from Jeremiah, and then there's just the you know concept around gifts and things like that. So... Uh, we tackled some of that last week, and this week we're actually going to start a mini-series, and it's going to lead us right into Christmas Day. And uh, between today, the 11th, and the next week, the 18th, we are actually going to look at uh, some prophecies that surround the birth of Christ, and we're also going to also talk about um, the names and things like that that were prophesied about Jesus in the Old Testament. So we are going to uh, kind of plant ourselves in the text of Matthew, and we are going to be looking back and forth between Matthew and some of the texts in the Old Testament. And then on Christmas Day, uh, we will be actually dropping a bonus episode, if you would, because uh, it is Christmas Day, and I don't know how many people are actually going to listen on Christmas Day. However, this will be ep an episode available, and we are going to have a joint episode with a dear friend of mine, Chris, from Ezra Reads the Law, and we are going to just kind of unpack the text in Matthew and Luke in just a joyous celebration of the birth of our Savior. So that's kind of what's coming up in the coming weeks after Christmas. We will uh, jump right back in New Year's Day with a text from 
the New Testament back into uh, eschatology, and we will plow through the Gospels series, and, uh, and then we'll look at some Pauline eschatology, and then we're going to go through the book of Revelation. Uh, I don't, again, have a timeline. I have yet to really get in and plan that series out, but I have got some time in December, and we will be uh, probably planning that series out a little bit more to detail, so stay tuned for that. As well, uh, as I record this episode, I am currently one week from having some extremely good news, hopefully, potentially, and uh, as this episode airs, that will have already been announced, but as I record it, Unfortunately, I can't give any headlines or any updates or any sneak peeks yet in case of something falling through. So as stands, uh, we've got some time in December and we will be recording the uh, probably gospel section of the eschatology. Uh, We're going to look at kind of the the text in Mark and the text in Matthew, the uh, Olivet Discourse, and we're going to just kind of pick our way through those few chapters and then we're going to kind of look at some other texts that might uh, give us some headlines and some insight into that series. However, so uh, that's coming in January, and right now we are in the middle of December, and so I hope that you guys are playing your Christmas music at full blast everywhere you go because this is the season, and honestly, after a year that we've had, we need that joy brought back into our hearts, and we need to be reminded that the events of this world have no effect or should have no effect on us as Christians because we are simply just travelers. We are pilgrims moving through this into the next. And so I just am anxiously looking forward to the birth of our Savior as a moment that we can just celebrate and remember the fact that God came to us in the form of this little infant baby who just so happens to be perfect in every way. So what we're going to do in this series, as I said today, is we're going to look through Matthew. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to read that text, and then I'm going to just kind of start unpacking some of the notions around the prophecies that the text in Matthew fulfills for us. And then we're going to uh, go back and uh, look at some of the names that the Old Testament gives us, and we're going to talk about the the significance of those names as well. And that's what's going to bring up these next two weeks as we split this kind of into a two-parter. And then Christmas Day, as I said, we'll have Chris, and uh, we will be joyously celebrating the birth of our Savior. So that's what we have in store. A uh, couple little reminders. Obviously, most of the work that I do all comes out of Logos Bible software, so you can get yourself a copy, logos.com forward slash undying light. That gives you a, you can buy a free copy or download the free copy if you'd like, or you can subscribe and get um, a starter library or even a bigger, you know, library centered around whatever denomination you pick, and you'll get a ton of books and you'll get a ton of resources, Bibles, theology books, commentaries, all the sorts and that will help you in your journey. It does not matter whether you are uh, a seminary student, a pastor, or just a parent at home raising kids. Logos is instrumental and extremely helpful in a lot of those seasons. So check it out. DM me if you have any questions. The other thing is uh, around merchandise. Obviously, we have merchandise. We're trying to get it more readily available and kind of published more upfront for you. 
so you can go and order shirts and sweatshirts and get some coffee mugs if you choose. That is uh, on bonfire forward slash undying light. And you can check that link out in my bio on reformed underscore lifestyle on my Instagram page. And the last thing, obviously, is I always mention on every show, my shows are listener supported in regards to um, taking care of all of the back end needs to fund this show. So if you listen and you have been prayerfully considering donating to this ministry, we are on Patreon. You can find us there. You can DM me if you have questions. Uh, but a dollar a month goes a long way, and it gets you invited into this amazing community and family of supporters and believers. And we get together just about every day, and we're talking about all sorts of different things. So uh, not only that, but we also do Bible studies, and there's just random Q&As thrown in there, random video drops. Uh, you get bonus podcasts and all sorts of extra content that does not get published anywhere online. I reserve that exclusively for those who support this ministry. And if you're not on Instagram, no big deal. We have a discord server that you can jump on and chat with us and still be a part of this amazing community. So DM me if you have any questions, you can email me undying light ministries at gmail.com if you have any questions, but please remember this is a listener supported ministry and we could always use additional support. And through that, you will get uh, amazing benefits for joining this ministry. So with that and said, let us continue into today's episode. And again, I thank you for tuning in as we are moving through December and just starting to dig into the birth of Christ. And again, guys, I am so excited for this series. This is probably one of my most exciting things, really exciting parts of the year for me. Uh, I just love Christmas. I love looking at um, just all of the announcements around the birth of Christ. And kind of an interesting note, when I was younger in my walk, Christmas really didn't have that big of an impact for me. Um, I didn't really understand the full significance around it. And I was really, I don't want to say just kind of, I just had kind of more of a meh feeling to it. It just was there. I celebrated it, but, you know, I wanted the gifts, you know, and I wanted the food and things like that. But, you know, until a few years ago when I really started to celebrate or to, to study the celebration of Christ and to study the uh, announcements of Christ and to dig into the text and see what does it really tell me and what am I trying to get out of this? There is so much depth to these uh, proclamations of the birth of Christ, and they are littered throughout Scripture. And so we see this all the way back in Genesis 3.15 with the promise of a Savior, and we see it in Genesis 12 again with uh, the seed being promised to Abraham, and then it just goes on and on and on throughout the Old Testament. And then we have the four 500-year gap of silence, and then the coming angel making the announcement in the New Testament, and then we have the birth of Christ, which is just this awesome moment to know that God came to us, and that is beautiful. And so I am only, you know, I only got a couple of weeks to, to dig into this, but there's so much to it. There's so many different ways we can study the birth of Christ, and this is one way. Um, next year, we'll probably do it differently, because uh, I think every Christmas we'll do a, a small Christmas series. 
next year, I think we're going to go through a, uh, a, a, typo, a typological understanding. So we're going to look at types in the Old Testament and how they point us to Christ. But this year, we're going to look at the prophecies and the names given to us in the Old Testament. And again, this isn't exhaustive, but it should whet your appetite just enough that you go pick up some books get some good commentaries and study for yourself because that's what I really am driving with this podcast is to give you just enough that makes you go and study and learn more on your own and then provide some, you know, additional content and support and, uh, and a means to, to read into it. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to read Matthew one and, uh, we will read 18 through the end of chapter one. And then we will kind of start to unpack this and uh, and see where we land for today's episode. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she gave birth to his son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, before we really kind of dig into some of this text, I do want to mention that there are some uh, groups out there that believe that Jesus did not have any biological brothers or sisters, and that's just not true. Um, The text is very clear right here that at the end of chapter one, but he knew her not until she gave birth to a son and called his name Jesus. And so we see that there is this potential that, you know, Joseph and Mary had additional children down the road. And we know that Mary, again, is not perfect. We know that Mary needed a savior by what she writes in Luke 2. And so we will investigate that on Christmas Day. Actually, I'm sure that'll be an interesting topic for Chris and I to tackle. But we know Mary is not perfect. Therefore, Mary needs a savior. Therefore, stop praying to Mary. <laughs> I know none of you guys hopefully do that. But for all you, all the Catholics in our lives, that is something we should uh, understand and take forward to them. All right, so let us look at this particular text. Well, what we can know and what we do know is this is the announcement of the coming of Christ, right? Joseph is told by this angel that the child inside Mary is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And what we will get into in... uh, Matthew chapter 2, and thereon is the actual birth of Christ. And then, obviously, Matthew 3 is the announcement of John the Baptist proclaiming the way. And then we start to get into 
the baptism of Jesus, etc., etc., with all the rest of the teachings that he does. And we will actually unpack Matthew in greater detail at a later time. Uh, if you're con- curious, though, where we are and why you get this really long genealogy at the beginning here, what Matthew is doing in this in the first chapter is he's establishing this royal bloodline. He is setting up to show that Jesus Christ is the son of David and the son of Abraham. And he does this going all the way back to Abraham and establishes this royal bloodline. It goes all the way down the line to the birth of Christ. And so we see that really here and nowhere else in the New Testament, that this is one of the prophecies fulfilled to Abraham. And then we see it again uh, being proclaimed to David as well. That David, that there will be one who will sit on the throne of David, and that is, in fact, Christ. So we see that this royal bloodline is being established well in advance before the announcement of Christ. So to give ourselves a little bit more history, we know that we've just experienced, uh, give or take, about 400 years of silence from Malachi to the proclamation of John the Baptist and to the coming Messiah. In this time period, Israel is no longer the powerhouse. They are, in fact, under Roman oppression. So as we dig into this text of Matthew, we know kind of some of the environment that Jesus is being born into, right? He's coming into um, a time where Israel is oppressed. They are looked down upon by the Romans, uh, and really other world powers in this time frame. They have no power. They have nothing, essentially, to offer. And that, in fact, is exactly why this is really the perfect time that Christ enters this world. It, it seems to be right when the Jewish people are at their lowest. They have been under impression for hundreds of years, there really is no uh, hierarchy of power. There's obviously no leadership. And the Pharisees have become basically corrupted by their own power. And they are, you know, looking to keep the rest of the Jews under their thumb by putting forward all of these laws that are just utterly ridiculous to keep. And so we see that in these moments, this is where God acts, and this is where God delivers. And as for the Jewish people, this is where God sends his son to those people. But it's not just the Jews, obviously, as we know today. We see that as the ministry of Jesus unfolds, uh, he first comes to the Jews, and then he goes to the Gentiles next. And really, that was the whole ministry of the Apostle Paul, is being an apostle to the Gentiles, which then leads the gospel into the rest of the world. And so that is why we have this beautiful, sweet, good news today that we can celebrate. And we can look back and celebrate the birth of Christ. So we see from Matthew's writing, 
this very specific connection to the Old Testament prophecies about Christ. So we're going to journey back and we're going to look at some of these prophecies. And again, it won't be quite extensive because there's many. Uh, I believe just pointing to Christ in the Old Testament alone, there was some 360 different prophecies surrounding his birth, his ministry, his life, his death, his resurrection. And so we won't be visiting all of those in these two episodes, but we'll be visiting some of the key ones. And as, again, as I've mentioned in the past, when we get through the eschatological series and we look at the next series and going forward, we're going to start digging into the text more specifically. So we will probably hit every one of those over time. So just looking at the text in Matthew from verses 18 and on in chapter 1, uh, we can see that numerous prophecies are being fulfilled. Uh, looking back to Second Samuel in the seventh chapter, that God is promising a David-like king to rule his people with justice. And interestingly enough, right, so as I mentioned early in the episode, how Matthew writes this genealogy to establish that there is this royal bloodline in Christ. He's fulfilling the promise to Abraham, and he is a descendant of David, that one will sit on the throne of David. And this is it. This is Christ coming to fulfill that prophecy. And here's something that we should make a distinguishment about, especially today versus maybe a year ago even. It seems like especially today, the times have really kind of amplified around this idea of a social gospel. And again, I'm not going to take this episode and hijack it towards that, but we have to make this distinguished. We have to distinguish between this justice that God is bringing forward to us in the Son of God and Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that this isn't a social justice. This isn't a... uh, an equalization amongst people based upon skin color and race or background or national heritage or whatever it is that the news is trying to shove down our throats these days. This isn't the justice that Christ is bringing forward. Christ is bringing justice against the sinner and he's bringing justice to separate those who are unrepentant sinners from those who are repentant sinners, those who Christ calls to himself and those who do not or are not. That is the justice that we know is going to become to the people once they die and once God brings around the second coming of Christ, which is, you know, interestingly enough, a part of this whole series I'm doing outside of Christmas. So, Tune in for that as we dig into the New Testament, because we're going to talk a lot about the second coming of Christ and the judgment to come. So this is not, again, a social justice movement. It is not a measure of Christ to come and be a socialist or or anything like that. Read the text for yourself. Christ is coming to deliver his people from their sins. That is it. Christ is coming to deliver his people from their sins. It is not, again, to bring 
equalization based upon race or anything like that. This is a separation, as Matthew 25 digs into, it's a separation of the sheep and the goats, those who Christ calls his own and those who Christ essentially rejects. That is the perfect justice that God brings. So now let us look at another prophecy found in Jeremiah 23, verses 5 through 6. And I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land in those days. Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. So now, obviously, we see that uh, kind of a connection to the prophecy in Second Samuel that Christ is going to reign justly and he will reign wisely and he will again is an heir of David. So we see that connection twice now. And this goes back to Matthew in the genealogy and the royal bloodline. So there's a lot of connectivity here. And again, this is why I said, until I really started digging in, do you not see these puzzle pieces just beautifully fitting together? And that's why I love the Christmas narrative. Anyways, so again, I explained uh, reigning justly and wisely. And we will see that in those days that Judah and Israel will live in safety. Well, interestingly enough, people can argue that shortly after the death of Christ and the siege in Jerusalem and and the sacking of the temple, you could argue that Israel didn't live in safety. And this is a text that I feel could really actually point us towards the second coming of Christ in conjunction with the first coming. So there could be kind of two layers to this. Uh, A lot of commentaries don't really highlight too much around that portion in verse 6. Some say just to live without the encroachment of enemies. Um, But again, we see that right after the death of Christ, Israel is essentially um, scattered into the world. And it took until the early 1900s, I think 1946, um, before Israel was... Uh, noted as a nation again. So there's a lot of time span in there. So I think that this particular text, and you know, it's something that we all can spend probably a very long time studying and really come to different conclusions. And that's okay. Because again, understanding your Bible is all dependent upon your hermeneutics and your essentially background. We're all from different denominations and different upbringings. We have different educations. We look at the text differently, but we can all come to the same conclusion and we can all be in agreement around the same core principles to Christianity. So let's move on and we're going to look at a couple other prophecies that are nestled nicely in this first chapter of Matthew. Primarily Matthew one twenty three, and I will read that for us. Bring my scripture back up here. One twenty three says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now that's that's like right in our face, right? We rewind back to verse twenty two. It says, All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Well, who's that prophet and where did it take place? 
Let's turn in to our text now to Isaiah 7, 14. And that is an echo of Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Really, and as the text tells us, Emmanuel means God is with us, which is important as Christ is now with us in the flesh. And that, to me, again, it's just these prophecies are just so amazing in how they all come together. And we can dwell on this idea and this concept and this knowledge and this truth that Christ came in the flesh. God came to us. God is with us. He's not distant. He's not dead, buried in a tomb somewhere, but he is alive. And we'll get to that when we hit Easter and we celebrate the resurrection. But in this moment, this is God with us. And I just, I love this, the wording of Emmanuel. And there are some really, really good Christmas songs that really focus on this phrase that God is with us. And I think as we move into the end of the year, it's, uh, it's beautiful because we don't have a distant God. This isn't some sort of ideology made up over time. This isn't something that we conceived based upon the movements of the planets or the, uh, the, the rain or the sun, but that we get this amazing truth that God came to us and dwells among us. And really, Isaiah is such a fascinating book, right? We have this amazing text that talks a lot about the life of Christ. We get the birth, we have his life, and in fact, we get chapter 53, which is often overlooked, and by not by Christians, but by others, um, as a pointing towards his death. And we, we see it, I mean, it's right in front of us. From the Christian perspective, we can say, yeah, this is what Christ endured. And it's interesting that sometimes uh, in the Jewish culture, Isaiah 53 is called the forbidden chapter because it's like they want to cover up the fact that God gave them the truth right in front of their eyes and they flat out rejected it. And we kind of understand that as Paul writes through Romans, how many of the Jews had their hearts hardened and they've become their own stumbling blocks. And Paul is, you know, heartbroken over the fact that his own brethren have rejected him and have rejected the gospel. But that's another uh, story for another day. Um, but we see this, this wonderful name, Emmanuel, and it's another prophecy fulfilled here in this text in Matthew. And we see, again, this connection back to the Old Testament. And we see how so, uh, how so intertwined the two are. This isn't a separation, Old Testament, New Testament. This isn't a old God and new God or a different God, a wrathful God and a, and a loving God. This is the same God from the beginning of creation until the end of time. 
This is the same redemptive story told through the eyes of the prophets and apostles. This is the same cohesive story from beginning to end. And the New Testament just simply gives us the fact that God has brought his son to us. He has given his son to us. And yet we see continually, and we will see this continuously as we kind of get into uh, a couple more of these uh, prophecies, and we'll get into a few of these names here yet on this episode, uh, just how amazing and how connected everything is. So now we're going to look at this text in Micah. But before we get into the text from Micah, I want to read us some more context in Matthew chapter 2 to dig into this next section of this next prophecy. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, so that it was written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from the you shall come a ruler, and who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening the treasures, they offered gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. Now we have up until verse 13 in chapter 2, um, but we go back and verse 6 gives us this context, right? It brings us another prophecy coming from Micah chapter 5, 2. So let's give a little context to Micah. You might have heard his name. He was a minor prophet, and he comes after Jonah, and his role wasn't real significant, just, in fact, he has a rather short book. But other, and that's what makes him a minor prophet, but like other minor prophets, he comes to proclaim judgment against Israel. So, obviously, my recommendation is to read through Micah and just examine various prophecies of judgment that comes against Israel. It's uh, not a very long book. I believe it is only five chapters. I can probably tell you right now or not. Nope, maybe I can't look at this. Uh, seven chapters, my bad. Seven chapters. And so, again, I would highly recommend you go home and or get home and read through it and uh, explore a lot of what he says. 
interestingly enough, a lot of these minor prophets have a lot to bring to the table, and they're often overlooked for some of the more significant powerhouse prophets, right, that have 30, 40 chapters. Uh, the reason they're called minor prophets really is because the books are shorter, um, but they all play significant roles in the history of Israel and obviously in the in, in the uh, history of Christianity because they come to proclaim judgment against Israel. And in Micah's case here, they bring us the, this wonderful prophecy of Christ. As, and as you dig through this book of Micah, you'll kind of realize that it is, in fact, kind of sad. There's a lot of crying out for true rulers. And what we get, actually, is this buildup into verse 2 in the fifth chapter. And he will come. He will come out of Bethlehem. So now we see that exact prophecy being declared in verse 6 in chapter 2 in Matthew. Matthew is fulfilling yet another prophecy. Matthew then draws on another characteristic of Christ. He adds, who will shepherd my people Israel? This ruler, as we saw earlier from the text in Jeremiah, that he will rule wisely and just. We're also given other characteristics of the type of ruler that Christ is going to be. He's going to be a shepherd. He's going to be gentle. He's going to be pastoral, tender, loving, caring, merciful. In fact, he's going to be almost the complete opposite of Herod. Herod is bloodthirsty. He's pagan. He's uh, obviously vengeful because his rulership is threatened by this birth announcement of Jesus Christ. And so he sends all of these uh, scribes and and, uh, Pharisees out to investigate and to tell him where this little child will be born. And then he goes and slaughters all of these infants and these young children because he feels threatened. So what we are getting is a picture that Christ is going to be the complete opposite of Herod. And in fact, the complete opposite of every earthly ruler. Because every earthly ruler rules with selfish ambition. They rule with the desire for more power, more money, more influence. And Christ rules with authority and he rules justly, he rules wisely, and yet he is also gentle, merciful, loving. His spirit is the spirit of a pastor. It's tender, it's caring. And yet, very much different, right? Much different than everything else that we have witnessed in our history. And so what we get here in the second chapter in Matthew is the fulfillment of the prophecy from Micah 5. So I had mentioned early in the show that I wanted to cover some of the prophecies and names that would be given around the birth of Christ. Some of this, the announcements uh, of the names that we are given. And yet, I think 
I'm going to kind of close this episode out here. It's a little bit before the 45 minute mark. Um, but I think I want to kind of keep this separated. So in next week's episode, it could be a little bit longer, but I want to go through some other prophecies and we're going to cover the names that have been given uh, as a precursor to the coming Christ. And we will kind of build into the nature of who, in fact, Christ is and why is it so important that this announcement is made. So that'll be next week's episode. Then we will obviously have the Christmas episode where we will just go through this text kind of again, but in a joyous manner in the celebration that our Savior is born. And as we talked last week, obviously we know that Christmas or isn't really the uh, official or it's kind of hard to say official um, that December 25th isn't the actual birth of Christ. Uh, there's much uh, kind of surrounding that that's mysterious, if you would. Um, some people place them in the time frame around September. Some people place them around early spring, uh, around p- perhaps March. But the agreed upon time of celebration is December 25th. And I guess I've come to this notion that over time, it's not a terribly big deal whether we celebrate it in September or we celebrate it in December, but we follow the calendar and we land in December with the announcement of the birth of Christ. And this is where we stand as church history has brought us to this point. So ladies and gentlemen, Next week, we will dive deeply into the names surrounding our Lord and Savior. Uh, We will venture back again through the uh, Old Testament. We will jump into Isaiah again, and I believe I have, uh, we'll look at Jeremiah, and I've got a few more. Uh, We'll look at, uh, oh, Deuteronomy, 2 Samuel. Uh, the Psalms. So we'll be kind of all over the place in that. And we will uh, expand on that. And I'm going to keep from dragging you on. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. I, again, absolutely love this series because it gives me the opportunity to revisit the Christmas story over and over again. And these are actually probably some of the notes that I'm going to be using uh, to preach from in my Christmas series that uh, I will be doing at a church in Iowa. Uh, That much I can tell you. I have booked up December, and I will be in Stratford, Iowa, preaching there. And we will be going through some of these prophecies about as in-depth as we did here on the show today, and we will uh, unpack them uh, in the sermon series there. I have three Sundays to do so. And we'll probably reserve the final Sunday for the names that uh, uh, have been given to us for Christ. And then we'll do the Christmas celebration, uh, Christmas Eve night. So that is my plans surrounding the preaching coming up in the month of December. Obviously, we're already one week in as this episode drops. So... Ladies and gentlemen, I really appreciate you hanging out with me today, and I hope that December brings you some joy and warms your heart. Turn on Hallmark, watch those cheesy Christmas movies, and 
just kick back and relax while the world rushes into mass hysteria, chaos, and and all the other stuff. Just we can relax knowing that Christ is on the throne today, and this is a season where we get to celebrate that his birth, where he was here in the human flesh, walked on this earth with us, experienced the emotions and temptation that we experience, and yet is sinless for our sake, died and forgives us of our sin. So that is where I will leave you with on this wonderful Christmas prelude uh, as we are still a couple weeks out yet. So, ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas. God bless. I love you. We'll see you all later. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.